watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and we have, once again, in 2019, three movies for you. On the basis of sex, vice, and bird box. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Midget being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too short for that mess, even when you have a whole new year ahead of you to get messy. Uh, so short. Uh, yeah. Already. I already feel ticking down. It's almost 2020. <laughs> Three days in, feels like 300. At least. Yeah. Only 56 days left to go. And, uh, or 65, rather. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's clearly 40-something. <laughs> Uh, and yes, technically, all three of the movies that we're reviewing this week are 2018 releases. Rude. Um, but two of them, well, actually, no, I don't know. Uh, so Bird Box, of course, Netflix dumped into the world uh, in late December, like the 21st, I think. Um, and Vice, Vice on the Basis of Sex may just have opened in the Bay Area in January. Mm. So it's that weird time of year where... Uh, despite living in a big city, we're not in New York or L.A., and so there's still going to be those big prestige movies that come out there in December, and we get January through February. So. And people will judge you for saying living, that we live in a big city. <laughs> yes, I know. It's only 7 by 7. Mm-hmm. I get it. Say, you're basically Portland. <laughs> oh! Well, you know, there's all those headlines. They're like, Portland doesn't want to become the next San Francisco. It's like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have you tried, Portland. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're safe. You're doing all right. Uh, so that aside, now that we've shit on Portland, uh, <laughs> a place that I love and a place that you were literally going the weekend of my birthday. Yeah, well, it's not the weekend of your birthday. <laughs> the weekend I'm celebrating my birthday. There it is. There it is. How was I to know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there's that. It's 2019. Um, we are excited to do this whole fucking shit show all over again. Big day for you, huh? Uh, Nancy Pelosi day? It's it's NP day. NP day. <laughs> uh, things are great um, with how I speak. Things are great with Nancy. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. No one's working for free in the federal government. Everyone's all right. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it's not fine. It's not fine at all. But uh, but all the same, um, it's a lack of fineness that generally encourages people to create New Year's resolutions. Mm. They look around and they say, things aren't fine. I don't look fine. I don't look fine. Um, what should I be doing differently to be finer? And uh, Rebecca, did you make any oh. New Year's resolutions this year? Uh, sort of. Um, I would say that it's not so much a resolution as it is the takeaways that came from um, my annual pulling uh, of, of cards from my Animal Spirit deck, which this year was accompanied b- uh, by three new crystals. No, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with the animal spirit cards. Yeah, so it's this uh, animal, it's this deck of cards. Uh, each uh, has an animal, a beautiful animal illustration on it, and they're sort of divided into categories of animal. And so the animals then have attributes, and you, you pull the cards, you know, what is the, in this particular uh, kind that I did was what is the past, what is the uh, uh, resist, resistance, I'm sorry, the past, resilience, your present, uh, a challenge, the future, and then a wild card card. Wow. And so um, my pull was very much a narrative about uh, taking some time to slow down and reflect and get to a place of 
kind of a better understanding of everything by um, by 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 taking a moment and trying to get more in touch with um, you know sort of um, my thoughts and myself and, and you know just again sort of slowing down which I think mm. is um, you know a very um, you know it's a very beautiful way of of illustrating this point that everyone has basically just been telling me to my face <laughs> for the past six six to eight months um, so I guess I'm gonna listen now I also like how you're stroking yourself. You're like, and what I did was a really beautiful way of uh, <laughs> showing myself this. That's exactly what you told me I, before we left for break. I have this beautiful tradition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's true. We did talk about that. Um, and then, but but I didn't, unless it was, um, you know, told has, to me through animal. It has to be an illustrated cat in a card. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, you're just not going to listen. <laughs> Which is, should really direct the next set of birthday cards you give me. Right. Yes. The year. Uh, all the loved ones in your life should know this. <laughs> this is this is what it takes. You know, at first it was puppets and. Now it's animal cards. I mean, it's sort of the same thing. My puppets were there. Oh, good. Uh, well, they're animal puppets, so yeah, they wanted enough. to see the show. Right. The important thing is that it is <laughs> just just non-living puppets, just man-made depictions right. of puppets. This is where you get your wisdom. Right. And not from you. No, no. not from me. But um, uh, Not unless I get that puppet. Yeah, I pulled, uh, I pulled an eagle, a horse, an octopus, a dolphin, and uh, a golden egg as my future. And then my sort of wild card card is a crocodile. The narrative is obvious, hearing those names read in a row. Right? Clear. Right? Clear as a bell. Ugh, I couldn't be more of an octopus right now, and I hate it. <laughs> but, like, I'm clearly a dolphin. I just need to let my dolphin come out. Um, so eventually I can get to the golden egg. Anyway. Sure. I have no follow-up um, questions about any of that. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> How many years have you been um, having this beautiful this tradition? This is my second. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So, you know, it's now a tradition. <laughs> it does takes two, really. <laughs> it just really does. Do twice in a row. <laughs> tradition made um how about you jason do you have any uh, resolutions well you know this year um as the year was winding down well the funny thing was so the last time i recognized saw each other was um the sunday night of uh, december 23rd when we taped our best of show uh and i was feeling very very re reflective and very mm. sort of like nostalgic for the year and thinking back over it and I had these grand plans to sit down and start like making sense of the year, taking stock of the year mm -hmm. in a way that I've never really done before. And then the next day I flew home to Pennsylvania and that just totally ripped me out of that mindset. And then I was just like thrown into visitor mode for a long time. And um, and so then on the on uh, like the day after we got back, I went back to it and I, I was like, how do I take stock of my year? How do I know what I even did this year? I don't keep a diary like that. And then the answer became obvious, Instagram. So mm -hmm. I scrolled back through my year in Instagram posts um, and was like, I am funny. And uh, <laughs> so I wrote that down, like, was funny. <laughs> Goals for next year, remain funny. Um, so, but yeah, so I started making a list of like, places I traveled, mm. um, you know, uh, weddings I went to. Uh, you know, I had like a, an appearance list, like, grew beard <laughs> stopped <laughs> using hair product which is true wasn't very diligent about keto also true mm -hmm. barely worked out mm. too true uh and then i got down to an area that i decided to title neglected areas and um and in that area because of course i had like work stuff in there too but you know who cares um and neglected areas um one area that i had was read no books oh yeah 
So I, I literally read out a single book in its entirety this entire year. Hmm. And I don't feel good about that, especially because everyone's so braggy on social media all of a sudden about how many fucking books they read. Mm, there's a lot of that with that 100 books a year challenge. Thing I mean, I guess it's good that people care about reading, uh, but it makes me feel bad. Uh, I'm just like, <laughs> listen, I'm not like I'm not keeping up with people doing their fitness challenges. I'm not keeping up with people doing their books challenges. So I feel like where is my place to show off? You literally do a podcast where you review three movies a week. <laughs> yes. Yes. But there's no challenge for that. I mean, this isn't uh, a challenge for can, you. No, I mean, there's no like, there's no community of people online being like, here's how many movies I reviewed on my podcast this year. Whereas well, maybe every, that's where you need to start. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. There's my resolution to make to make what I do look hard and important. Yeah. Uh, the way uh, that everybody who works out all the time or reads books all the time does. I'm just like, I could be reading books, but instead I'm watching movies so I can review them on my fucking show. So there's that. So yeah, I didn't read anything um, all year. And uh, and then I also did literally zero development on the screenplay that I started working on the year before that. And then also I realized through a little snafu, I'm still not even sure what happened. Um, I gave literally zero dollars to charity. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have like through my work, I have like this like portal where I have all these like monthly things set up. And I started to feel like I was noticing a lack of that amount being taken out. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, well, you know, Trump tax changes. I'm probably having more take-home pay, whatever. Um, and uh, and then I logged on in, like, December 31st to be like, okay, like, let's see what the number was this year. And it said, 2018 dollars given, zero. Oh, no. So, guys, I have been part of the problem this year. I've read nothing. I've given nothing. Uh, I have been a real shit stain in 2018. Oh. So I've just been taking up space, and I apologize. Um, I've been taking up space without giving back, as is my God-given right as a white man. So um, I've made changes to correct all of those things. Well, nice. What are you reading? Um, well, that I have not. Well, actually, no. I'm, I, I picked back up. I'm like, well, not that. <laughs> I, fixed, I fixed the charitable giving thing. Um, no, I did pick back up Rose McCowan's memoir, Brave. Um, Does that count? What? Nothing. <laughs> Does that count? Is that what you said? It's a book. Listen, like, whenever I read, all I read is celebrity memoirs. So. I didn't watch any Housewives this year. Yeah. And I feel terrible about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so that that's pretty much... My first and foremost thing, I, I'm not very goal-oriented. Like, the idea of setting goals makes me very uncomfortable. Um, so I'll just keep it easy and say, like, I'd like to read a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by, that's a good one. By the end of 2019, let's see if I can finish a book. If anyone has any book suggestions for Jason, no, don't. definitely tell them. Don't, because I have... It's At not, Excess no, Baggage. Please don't give me book recommendations. That's the first I, time I've ever said your name. I have so many books downloaded on my fucking iPad that I want to read, but I just have... I don't know. If you want to gift Jason a book, I have. Um, I don't feel, just... You'll make me feel horrible if you gift me a book. You you did gift me books last year. <laughs> I did. I got through half of one while I was on vacation. No, I did. I started. I those was aren't like, even. Those are fun books. Well, one uh, is. I know. I'm like looking at the one over your head right now. The Naomi it's called Klein book. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Uh, well, you know, I don't. I wouldn't. You don't look like you don't read. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read magazine stories all the time. I read Real Housewives recaps all the time. You're not helping. It's just books that I don't read. No one's judging or questioning if you know how to read. Thank you. 
I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> well, so that's it. It, it fix your charitable giving and and read something. Right. So yes. Bound. So so I'm fifty percent. I'm halfway done. I'm halfway to my goal. Nice. It's only the third day of the year. I'm feeling like an overachiever. And your goal is to slow down and take some time with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some meditation, some therapy. Fantastic. Get to know me. You Guys, know. hold us accountable. <laughs> yeah. Check in with us throughout the year. Be like, hey, have you started doing any of that shit yet? Give Jason book recommendations. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any book recommendations? I mean, I haven't read any. So what am I going to say? Okay, well, I don't know. From a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I have like books by books by my favorite authors have come out since then, and I have not read them. Gary, Who are your favorite authors? Gary Steingart had mm. a new book come out. Zadie Smith, mm-hmm. you know, Michelle Obama, uh, <laughs> all of them, <laughs> all of them. They all have new books. Lots of memoirs have come out. Parker Posey's mm. memoir, like, see how notice Jen Chachnov. I'm saying memoir. Are yeah. you are you fucking no. happy? Do you uh, feel overwhelmed by the, the amount of books you feel like you have to read? Is that what's keeping you from? I mean, in a way, because, well, no, honestly, it's not that. I just don't, when I look at my day, I don't see when I would do it. Mm. I just don't see when I would do it. Yeah, you do. You just read a lot of, like, pop culture stuff. Yeah. You know, like, uh, when I'm, you know, there's just no time, and I don't believe in audiobooks. What about just, like, would would it um, scratch that itch if you committed to a couple of just, like, long reads like like journalistic long read journal i mean yeah i, I always keep those open in my tabs yeah okay like, never mind let's move on i have those shall we open. to the movies i'm trying i was trying to give you an app no and i appreciate that i appreciate that um and 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 no i just don't believe in audiobooks and so like when i say a book i mean i want to read no, not a an book. Aud- okay fair okay good for yes. you i'll bring some books over next week fuck um to the movies you sure. know who loved reading books who the, the the subject of our first movie oh oh actually i don't know um, <laughs> law tomes. Never uh, read the a book f- in her life. <laughs> the first movie we are going to take a look at this week is On the Basis of Sex. She loves Chuck Palahniuk. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a struggling attorney and new mother who faces adversity and numerous obstacles in her fight for equal rights. When Ruth takes on a groundbreaking case with her husband, attorney Martin Ginsburg, she knows it could change the direction of her career and the way the courts view gender discrimination. <laughs> You've been ready for this your whole life. So go in there and let the judges see the Ruth Ginsburg I know. We're not asking you to change the country. That's already happened without any court's permission. The word woman does not appear even once in the U.S. Constitution. Nor does the word freedom. Your Honor. So we have no picks of the week this week. No. Um, and January coming in cold, uh, as it does. And um, I, I said, uh, Jason, uh, I said, Jason, um, oh, you know what I did see when I was on break uh, huh. that you talked about on the show was um, the Ellen DeGeneres uh, special that came out oh, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, that was great. Yeah, you liked yeah, it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and I love the way she just leans into being rich. <laughs> right. So great. Yes. Um, so that's my pick of the week. <laughs> yeah it's relatable and exactly mm-hmm. um and so i asked jason what movie would be your pick of the week if you had to have one yeah uh and yours was this one it was so i feel like this is the tell, tell these people why you would say that well it's the least bad i think of the three movies that we have this week bold choice uh it is um it's also the most conventional 
of the three movies we had this week. So that's mm. kind of a weird uh, dichotomy mm-hmm. uh, because normally conventional is bad. Uh, mm. But in this case, I think the other two movies are just so hapless um, mm. and uh, that for me, the sort of just basic structure that supports the story that's told in, on the basis of sex uh, makes it the most commendable of the three. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a very competently told version of a chapter of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's story. Um, starting in 1956, when she was uh, one of the only, one of I believe only nine women in a class of 500 at Harvard Law. Um, Harvard Law just began admitting women in 1950, so she was among the first. Uh, and then we sort of uh, get through this initial act of her going to school, and of course dealing with all the sexism of the time. Uh, then graduating from school and then going off to try to get a job and then finding out that even though she has a lot of graduate first in her class from Harvard Law, no law firms will hire her. Uh, then we jump ahead to, and so she sort of just like gives up and starts teaching as one does. Mm. And, um, and then we jump ahead to 1971 uh, when she begins working with the ACLU and, um, and finds a case uh, that she believes could uh, establish a precedent which anyone who's seen the RBG documentary knows is her favorite kind of thing. Uh, so, and, uh, and then this is all told against also the backdrop of her happy family. Mm. Uh, this is hers is a story that does not do the, um, the usual, like, uh, you know, listen, woman, you got to choose thing that a lot of stories about uh, successful women do where it's like, oh, well, either you have one or the other. You either have a happy family or you have a successful career. And in RBG's case, she had both. Uh, she had, as we learned from the documentary, one of the most beautiful, touching marriages that I've ever seen told as a story. Uh, her husband was named Marty. Uh, he was a tax attorney. He's played here by Army Hammer. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the, they're, they're supporting, um, for its time, very progressive marriage uh, is, you know, depicted with great um, affection. The only real conflict is uh, we witness our, uh, Ruth having some conflict with her daughter, her teen daughter, um, as, uh, you know, Ruth is not really, you know, RBG was never, and to this day, is not a more one, a more radical feminist. She does not believe in, well, she's more focused on creating change the slow, steady way using law, um, and she's been very uh, successful and impactful at that, of course. Uh, whereas her daughter is a bit more reactionary and wants, you know, RBG to take to the streets, and um, and that's just not RBG style. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so the story, I would say, is even though I was just saying a minute ago how it's structured in a very conventional, uh, very competent way, it's it's a little it's a little uneven. Um, you know, we have this whole first act, which is about her, you know, while she's in law school and. And, uh, and then trying to get a job. And then it kind of, the movie really only starts to pick up when it jumps forward to 1971. Uh, and this, you know, this ACLU case comes along, uh, which incidentally was not covered in RBG The Doc. Mm. Um, I was reading an interview today with the, uh, the director of this film, a woman named Mimi Leader. And uh, she uh, mentioned that when they were working on the movie, they had no idea what was going to be in the doc. And, mm. um, and then they were quite relieved. When they saw it and saw that the main case that this story focuses on was not covered by it, so you so you're not getting complete overlap. It's not completely redundant to watch this movie if you've seen the RBG doc. 
um, this tells a, a somewhat different uh, part of her journey, uh, becoming who she is today. Uh, the screenplay of this film was written by Daniel Stiebelman, who is RBG's nephew, uh, and, uh, and she worked with him very closely on the screenplay. Um, she went through, I believe, the first three drafts of it with him and, you know, was just giving corrections and making notes and, uh, you know, and she was involved with making the movie. So this is very much an authorized uh, telling mm-hmm. of the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, you know, and I think as a result, it feels very, um, you know, perhaps respectful to a fault. Uh, you know, it doesn't have, the, it's not the most energetic story. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it it never really presents her as having faults <laughs> or flaws. <laughs> uh, you know, beyond just like the conflict with her daughter, there's really no, um, you know, it's all just like she's fighting uphill and we're cheering her on as she goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think watching the RBG documentary, I, it's not that surprising that she doesn't make the most exciting protagonist for, mm. you know, she, she's not, she is, she is the, you know, she is the, um, what's what we're looking for here? Um, proverbial. Okay. She is the proverbial tortoise of the tortoise and the hare. Mm. Like mm. no one has ever, ever tortoised more <laughs> than, <laughs> than RBG. She is the tortoise. Um, if ever there was one and the tortoise doesn't make an interesting story. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this, the movie does, you know, dive pretty deep into the legal stuff. And apparently Mimi leader said that that was the one point on which she told him she demanded perfection. Sure, I would she, assume so. Yeah, yeah. She was like, she was like, I'm not, you know, she was like, I, the one thing that I need from you all is I, everything about the law in this movie needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'll just take her word for it that it gave her that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's dull. It's, it's not very exciting. It's very by the numbers. Um, I don't know that either Felicity Jones or Army Hammer are that especially well cast. Mm. It's funny. I saw one mm. review point out that Army Hammer's character, the, the way Marty is portrayed in this story, it is almost, it is like a male equivalent of like the one note supportive wife stock role. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, uh, mm. you know, he is just kind of there just to smile and to cheer her up and uh well at the same time modeling i think some good male ally stuff you know we see him he does the good ally thing of being aware when male male privilege is being used to give him an advantage that she should have like when they're being like looking to him to say something instead of her um and he keeps trying to find ways to like be like well well actually her well actually her Mm -hmm. and tries to sort of like lift her up and use his position to put her where she should be instead mm-hmm. of just um, having the default be for people to have him speak for her. Um, but uh, but anyway, those are some things I have to say about the movie. You watch this fucking movie too. <laughs> uh, I know you're just waiting because you, you, you did not like it because they said the title too much. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember um, when Stephen Colbert and Stephen Carell were on The Daily Show and they would do Even Stephen? And they would just be like, yes, no, <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Like they just like had argue polar opposite points, mm-hmm. um, much like debate, much like the law. I couldn't disagree with you more on like every aspect of, of your what? thoughts on this movie. Oh my god! I felt that this movie, the way it was conventional, the way you know how we talk a lot about um, when it, it's so obvious that a movie is talking down to the audience mm-hmm. um, and not treating it with basic respect by you. I mean. Who do you have to explain 
so uh how, why do you have to be so over the top in explaining how sexist things were in the 50s 60s 70s like is that so hard to believe um considering that things are still pretty sexist right now and so i think that um that that makes the makes paints the audience as foolish um i think that you know just the way that the dialogue of that when you know it's her and her daughter going into town and she's like you're a f you're a young feminist she, she realizes because her daughter is able to like talk back to these guys that are like wolf whistling at them and um and she's just like keep your head down and go and and her daughter's like yo you guys go fuck yourselves or whatever and uh and she's like you're a young feminist and it's like this breaking point it i mean this is like a it's like that oscar christmas time movie that like feels like such a disservice to a person who is real and alive and um like y you can forgive that a little bit more when it's like someone you've never heard of or it's like well maybe you know that's the the great story that that no one i don't know knows about somebody that is 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 a real person that has more depth than just these sort of like uh platitudes and, and, and like really odd like uh made for trailer um lines of dialogue um the army hammer casting was so incredibly distracting he is so gigantic <laughs> he's he sucks the energy out of a room and wears it like a like a halo like just because he's in so a movie, handsome he's so handsome he's so big and the character is supposed to be affable and charismatic he's wearing these like like 70s gay movie star sunglasses at one point in the movie we're <laughs> like why is he dressed like like some sort of like the most handsome man on earth wearing the most fashionable clothes meanwhile they, 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 it plays up that dichotomy between like her being so tiny and like kind of mousy in the movie that's supposed to be about a woman like it the disparity shouldn't be so obvious it, it's so distracting in the movie um the 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 law stuff as you called it mm -hmm. um <laughs> the technical term the technical term um was interesting i feel like that was the most interesting point um in showing how they sort of how you can kind of navigate something to make it work for you and, and that's a lot of how you know anything from gay rights is how the sodomy laws ended up getting overturned in, in texas is that um, you take one case and then you build off of that and then you find all the dominoes that fall as a result of that. But even when they end up, you know, having the big moment where they're presenting this, this appeal case, um, it's, it's so stagey and it's so movie-like and so unrealistic. These like, you know, that like it, they're off to a rocky start and then she slips up and then everyone's like, is she going to do it? And then there's this moment and then she jumps in and then she does it that it's like, it's just so... Well, what's interesting about that is that RBG said um, she was doing a big uh, panel uh, uh, discussion for the film at a screening, and um, and she said the only part of the movie that was not accurate was she said I never stumbled. I believe it. Um, and uh, so that was something that they added, you know, for dramatic tension. And apparently, they also um, they had a really hard time finding um, the right studio home for this movie because. Apparently, they had multiple different studio meetings where executives would be like, okay, we love it, of course. We wanted to tell the story. Uh, we want to, you know, get down with our RBG. However, we just need Marty to hate her a little bit. Mm, what? And um, they're like, mm? and they're like, well, we need that. We, you know, like, what's interesting about a happy marriage? Like, we need to have Marty be threatened by her. 
And they're like, well, he wasn't, though. That's the whole thing, is that their love story, like, they were mutually supportive. Um, that was why they were married for so long. And they're like, mm, no, we don't buy it. Uh, and wow. so they had, like, multiple studios be like, yeah, we'll tell this story, but to do that, we need Marty to be this angry guy who is resentful of her. And he needs to, like, have an arc where he begrudgingly realizes that his wife's a genius and he shouldn't stand in her way. And they're like, okay. Wow. Thank you, next. So I mean, I feel like uh, that is it's that's a great uh, pitfall that they that they missed. Um, I was trying to think of who are actors that would have been a better fit for this role because then, of course, I looked at pictures of Marty Ginsburg and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, if he was like truly this like gigantic heartthrob, that's one thing, right? And he wasn't. Well, young Marty was handsome. Okay, Army Hammer handsome. Well, uh, by that rationale, Army Hammer can't play any character. <laughs> exactly. And then we get to my point. Oh no, my ready? Ready for it? Yeah. Jake Lacey. Oh, yeah. Well, he's not a movie star, though. Yet. Yeah, he was an obvious child. No, I know he was in movies. I'm just saying Neither he's, he's, Felicity not, Jones. he's not a name. Felicity Jones is a name. She's Where an Oscar she nominee. In? She was in a Star Wars movie. She was in Rogue One. She, she was the star of Rogue One. She was nominated for an Oscar for the Theory of Everything. Mm. She's established. Mm. Um, I, she struggles a bit with that Brooklyn accent here and there. I'll tell. I'll give mm, her, I'll, a little bit of that. I'll give her that. And I guess RBG also, Army Hammer said that when they were talking at some event or whatever, uh, she said to him, you know, you're a little taller than Marty was. <laughs> and he was like, and you're a little shorter than Felicity Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fucked. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, oh, that's the other thing. They fuck in this movie like five minutes in. <laughs> what is happening? I read about that too. With that, this big, this big screening of it that was like RBG and Gloria Steinem and Hillary Clinton all in the room. No. And and, yes. <laughs> and they all just sit there and watch that love scene. Uh, of course, she fucking wrote this movie. She's like. I'm going to be played by Felicity Jones. My, my husband's going to be played by Army Hammer. Right. I'm going to make all these bitches in this room and watch us fuck. He's going to give it to me real good. <laughs> well, you know what? I think she's back. just like sitting there turning, swirling her head slowly back and forth, smiling at everyone. Like, like an owl. That was me. <laughs> um, oh, we also need to note that um, RBG has a cameo at the end of this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. And, and it is the draggiest, <laughs> campiest thing. It is like, it. it's like this like, if you don't jump up and start snapping and going like, yes, when it happens, then you're not a gay man. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, because like, it's like this slow motion shot of Felicity as RBG walking up the Supreme Court steps. And then the camera goes behind a pillar. And then when it comes up to the side, it's the real RBG. It's so funny. And she's just like, and she's just staying there with that funny look on her face that she has all the time now where, you know, she's like her chin's kind of down. Her eyes are just straight ahead. And she's like a half smile. And she's wearing like a short skirt. Yeah. And she just has like that pelvis forward kind of posture yeah. and her arms are swinging. And this she's, is going to be a Disney ride before the end of the year. And she is just like sashaying her way up those steps. <laughs> Uh, and it is hilarious. Yes. Oh my God, is it funny? It's really good. Um, uh, another. Uh, speaking of you being a gay, um, <laughs> this movie is also pretty wiggy. Justin Thoreau. Mm, mm-hmm. Hella wiggy. Yeah, very wiggy. Kathy Bates shows up. She's mm-hmm. wiggy. Super wiggy. I wanted a lot more of Kathy Bates in this movie. She shows up for like mm. literally one scene, and she like steals the movie. Yeah. She's so good in that one scene. I'm like, this is what the movie is missing. Is whatever Kathy Bates is bringing to it right now. Uh, Sam Watterson's in it. Oh, and that's how you immediately respect it as a law movie. Mm-hmm, right. You're like, oh, well, sure. Um, and then he shows diversity. He shows versatility by being a bad law guy mm-hmm, <laughs> after right. being a good one for so many years. Um, I mean, I don't know that we're saying that different of a thing about the movie ultimately. Like, 
I'm not saying the stuff that I was saying about it, I didn't think was necessarily great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just explaining, I guess, kind of what to me makes it serviceable. And, you know, it is very 101. You know, I think it's it's the broad, it's broad as can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not an especially, and it does kind of balance this thing where all of its character development and all of like the socio-political cultural context that it provides is like done in the broadest one-on-one strokes. Right. And then with the law stuff, it goes like Harvard level. Um, and that's kind of a bizarre. At least Rutgers. <laughs> or at least Rutgers. And that's kind of a bizarre tension, or at least Kent State Nursing School. Um, <laughs> there's, and that's sort of the. Akron Zips. Uh, that's, that's sort of the tension <laughs> that's, uh, that's in yeah. the movie. The, the Army Hammer thing, though, is. <laughs> I don't know. So distracting. I mean, I guess that's kind of, I mean, he's meant to be a dream husband. And so an Army it's Hammer is a dream man. It's too much. So he's, you know, he's like. This is how RBG wants to remember her husband. Let her have this. I, I, we're going to use as the photo for this, the the cover of this episode of the podcast, the photo of him in those sunglasses <laughs> when they're walking to that, that big court in the, the, the climatic court case. He, what? Oh my God. He looks like the pool boy from the Gianni Versace show. Like, wh- what is that? That is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I don't think Army Hammer was one choosing his glasses. I mean, but somebody made. I'm not blaming. This is the Army Hammer review podcast. <laughs> well, you're trying to make it that. I mean, call, you, you, you have extra extra time. You've got a one track mind over this there. It's about the movie, and um, <laughs> and I don't like it. I expect. I just. I expected. I think this movie could have done a lot better, and it's a disservice that they they blew their shot making something one on one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because when you have a movie that is like fully authorized and done with the participation of and the involvement of and the blessing of the person that's about you know i think that says something i mean what if that person is donald trump well i mean then it would it would speak okay for his judgment like he has bad judgment then rbg, I guess RBG the has the best judgment where we're coming out at the end of this oh okay for, for making movies she has great judgment. Are you saying, are you saying <laughs> that if I disagree that this movie is good, then I don't have as good a judgment as Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I am saying you're going against you're going against a judgment that RBG has made. Oh wow! Well, you I'm are Scalia all over this. She, who she loved, and that <laughs> was they were old buddies. And that was something that I read today too. That like that's something that the movie could have done something more interesting with. I think a movie, a movie about like RBG and her Supreme Court years mm. and her friendship with Scalia. Yeah, as like an as like an odd couple like historical comedy, that is a story that would have been really good that I would love. Get but that Scalia from Vice is that the next movie we're talking about? Oh yeah, that's right. Um, it is. It is. So, uh, but yeah, no, this movie it's very yeah, it's just very it's respectful to a fault. It's dull. It's one hundred and one. It's broad. Um, I, it's still I think the best of the three movies we're reviewing this week. Um, but that's not saying much. That's I didn't. Crazy. I didn't think that much of it. So are you giving it a binge it? No, 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 no. It's a, no, no. It's a consume for me. I'm giving it a send it back. Okay. Um, it is rated PG-13 for some language and suggestive content. That brings us to movie number two. Ooh, starting off all plucky at the beginning of the year. <laughs> um, with the movie Vice. Governor George W. Bush of Texas picks Dick Cheney, the CEO of Halliburton, to be his Republican running mate in the 2000 presidential election. No stranger to politics, Cheney's impressive resume includes stints as White House Chief of Staff, House Minority Whip, and Defense Secretary. When Bush wins by a narrow margin, Cheney begins to use his newfound power to help reshape the country and the world. What do you say? I want you to be my VP. 
I want you. You're my vice. Well, George, I, uh... I'm the CEO of a large company. And I have been Secretary of Defense. And I have been White House Chief of Staff. The Vice Presidency is a mostly symbolic job. Uh-huh. However, if we came to a, uh... different understanding, I can handle the more mundane jobs overseeing bureaucracy, military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. Okay, so, so this is just these movies are the complete opposite. We're taking a retelling uh, of things that happened in the recent past, one very conventionally. Uh, you're like, guess this is what I've been saying the whole time. Um, and this one in a completely unconventional way um, and we see what we both like I thought this was a way more interesting way of connecting the dots of people in time and history and influence um, that was engaging and although silly definitely at points um, at the end of the day I think it was more impactful and see, I guess what I would say uh, about this one versus on the basis of sex is that while Basis had very sort of 101 insight into RBG and her, her motivations and uh, her drive and what she wanted, uh, this movie has literally zero. It has zero insight into Dick Cheney. It has zero insights to offer into his motivations. It has nothing to say about who, him as a person. Uh, it just tells a story that ultimately ends in a shrug. You want to talk about patronizing. This movie is fucking patronizing. How? That little button at the end with the pe- when like the fight breaks out at the test at the focus uh, group. Mm, mm. Uh, it, this, this movie is so condescending and patronizing to the American public. Um, and it feels like it just has it has nothing to say. Uh, it tells the hmm. story of Dick Cheney, uh, you know, in a in in a, you know doing sort of broad strokes, doing you know leapfrogging across decades, um, telling things that there's nothing that wasn't already known here. Uh, this is pretty well worn territory. I had no idea about his uh, sort of like background with Scalia, as we were mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. um, and like all the work being done to figure out like the absolute power stuff from mm-hmm. from. What the since Nixon's resignation until uh, right Bush was president? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I that was out there, and uh, you know, so we have like, so it starts off with like, oh, he was a ne'er do well, and he was a drunk fuck up. Who gives a shit? Who wasn't? That doesn't provide any sort of context into who he is. Uh, and then we, yeah, we jump into you know him in law school, him meeting Donald Rumsfeld, uh, or not law school uh, internship, yeah, internship, uh, meeting Donald Rumsfeld, just played by Steve Carell. Uh, and at this point, that's sort of like an inciting incident of sorts. Like we're led to believe that Cheney had no actual beliefs uh, because he goes like Rumsfeld gives a speech and then Cheney's like, what's that guy? And then someone else is like, he's a Republican. He's like, then I'm a Republican. And then later, uh, while Cheney's working for Rumsfeld, Cheney's like, what do we believe? And Rumsfeld laughs and laughs and laughs at the <laughs> ridic- at, because it's like, oh, what a ridiculous question. Uh, and uh, so the movie almost gives them this weird pass where it's like, oh, these guys don't believe anything. Um, you know, they are just doing what they do uh, for power. 
Uh, and then, you know, it does, it is an interesting reminder of the fact that, like, the Nixon White House was, like, ground zero for mm. every conservative terror we now have. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had Cheney, you had Rumsfeld, you had Scalia, you had Roger Ailes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was all there. Yeah, that um, was another thing I didn't know. Roger Ailes being involved in that, and, like, right. seeing that spin up of, like, well, now he has his own network. And, like, that, that was interesting. Right. I just want to say quickly, um... I was totally on board with the not believing in it, in, a, in anything, in totally being someone who's just like, oh, I guess I got to get my shit together. I don't know what to do. I'm going to do this because my wife's yelling at me and then just end up being a kind of a, a, a sleaze bag through that process. That I didn't find that um, hard to swallow at all. If anything, it was like almost more believable than like, here's the all of the background of why this person was the way they were because I don't really, I guess I could see it. I, you know what I mean? Like when you... I don't know. He doesn't have that feeling of someone who, I don't know, is uh, like chasing a demon. Like the way Donald Trump does, right? Mm-hmm. Like Donald Trump has like a, you're like, oh my God, this guy is like, just go hug your father or whatever, you know? I don't know. I don't I don't feel that from, from Janie, which obviously is completely outside of the realm of, of, of film review, but it, it, it worked for the movie, in the movie for me. I mean, I guess I don't, I don't buy that as like oh he he literally had no motivation he just happened upon it he just chanced his way uh you know he forest gumped zillied his way <laughs> um into what he ultimately did um you know like there's just no inciting incident and then you know what we see is a story of you know of the character of dick cheney as is depicted in this film is you know meant to be this like bone chilling thing um, and there's just no inciting incident for that. There's no development of the character, really. He's just there. And Christian Bale plays him almost to a fault uh, in terms of his, you know, sort of physical accuracy because Cheney's never been an expressive person. And, um, you know, and Christian Bale just puts on what a friend uh, described as resting dick face. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so shout out to it was when I watched this movie with Christian and his roommates that that term came up. That's fantastic. Um, resting dick face, um, you know, where you just kind of have like the one like upturned corner of the mouth mm. and sort of just like the, you know, the dead stare. And that's sort of Christian Bale's face for this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am. There are a lot of people who hate this movie who will then at least say they think Christian Bale does a great job. I am not one of those people. I don't think there's that much of this performance. Does he physically absolutely become Dick Cheney? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really weird. It is It is unholy, uh, the extent to which he becomes Dick Cheney um, once we get to, like, the, the Bush years part of it, the Bush two years. so surprised. Like, having seen Christian Bale, having seen Dick Cheney, uh, so surprised. At moments, there were moments when I was like, oh, right. I, like, re- remind, reminded, I had to remind myself that this wasn't actually Dick Cheney. Right. That was weird. Uh, so, you know, I think this movie... To me, it just doesn't know what it wants to say about him. Like, it's this movie that I think I, you get why it gets made. Because you're like, okay, so Adam McKay is mm-hmm. the director. He made the big short. Um, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell a story about Dick Cheney. Done. You know, sold in the room. Um, and we, we got this cast. Oh, my God. What a cast. This is going to be a great story. But then the story ultimately is just a total shrug. Uh, because it doesn't say anything about Cheney. Like, it doesn't seem to have any insight into who he was, why he was, none of that stuff. We just follow him as he, you know, we see a few decisions he made throughout his many decades, um, you know, in uh, in government. And, uh, you know, and then we see this sort of Fahrenheit 9-11 rehash. 
um, of you know the choices that he made um, on the morning 9-11 and then the role that he took on just mm-hmm. in the Bush White House as sort of like the first Veep who was like low-key the acting president. Um, you know, we get this SNL level performance from Sam Rockwell's W. Although something that it overlooks <laughs> is that Cheney was defense secretary under Bush one. Mm, yeah, they, that was weird. The part that they skip. Um, so this movie is a little too Adam McKay, right? It's like a little too oh my God. fucking like way too cutesy. It's so funny. Uh, there's this whole part where uh uh, his daughter comes out, Mary Cheney comes mm-hmm. out, and then you do this whole like fake ending, right? As though like, and then he became a. It's it's, it's such a. These guys are such dicks. Also, um, right. it's very. Um, yeah, it's a smug movie. This movie is yes, incredibly smug, smug. as it gets, mm-hmm. um, and, and so yeah, satisfied so with itself. It kind of like it's so tickled with itself. Where it picks, it drops off that period of time, right? Because then it picks back up with the George Bush period. Yeah, it picks that. back up, yeah, um, with him getting the phone call from W mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that he's being asked to be the the Veep. Maybe, maybe the movie isn't. So the movie's called Vice, right? Maybe it's not supposed to be about who is Dick Cheney and his motivations in terms of it of, of like you know a deep uh, uh, story of a character study, which I know is the, your favorite kind of movie, but maybe it's the story of like the vice president and and what how that changed through through him because of him and through that period of time because i feel like that's what i learned the most about and that's what like based on the kind of the timing of the movie and what he does and how they they talk so much about 9-11 and all of the halliburton stuff i feel like that's what the movie is saying it's more about this period of time of the vice presidentship under him not necessarily the man well but then it doesn't get to that until like the final act so, like, that's not mm. what most of the movie is about. Mm. Uh, you know, it gets to that in the backstretch of the movie. I guess the first part just sets up those relationships that allow it all to sort of happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, you know, so, yeah, he gets to the office. And, you know, I think that when you when you think to about what he really did, you know, in terms of, you know, overseeing, the, you know, this hugest blunder in U.S. military history with the Iraq invasion. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Um, that was so good. You didn't like the whole part about with Colin Powell uh, and how they basically made ISIS? Uh, no, I mean, like, it's it's stuff I already knew. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I think this movie is, like, liberal smugness, like, mm. on the worst, mm. most infantile scale. Like, this movie is just, it's just like a half-baked sort of daily show pre-tape. Uh, you know it's like oh like let's do or something they would have at the end of like a pre-tape at the end of John Oliver where it's like oh wow they got Christian Bale to play Dick Cheney Um, (laughs) that's hilarious oh my god he's so good Um, like there's not enough here to make a movie and this movie's Mm. like 130 minutes long and it just doesn't have anything to say now it comes down to it it's too long it's the runtime it's too long it comes down in the runtime listen it's too long uh and uh yeah and i i don't know i think that the performances are decent yeah, i think amy adams is good as lynn cheney mm. um but you know again they you know adam mckay just has this bag of tricks that he feels like he has to bust out now because yeah. it, it did so well for him with big short which is a movie i also didn't love um in that movie i thought it was a little strain in this one it's just torture um, when he's when out of the blue, he gives you a Shakespeare dialogue scene. Oh, that was terrible. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, that was bullshit. And he did an interview where he was like, "Well, you know, we also had a musical number I took out." It's like you fucking dick. He's the worst. Adam McKay, you yeah, are horrible. He's the worst. Horrible. I just I I hate this movie. I've watched it twice, and um, <laughs> and the second time that I watched it, like I, I I was so excited for this movie. We all were. I think that's the thing. Like I think that's part of why I'm so angry at it is because. 
you know, it appeals to, you know, it's sort of an ugly part of the liberal consciousness where we want to, you know, we just want to mock and deride the enemy. Um, and this movie doesn't do that in a smart way. Uh, it just is not, it's not witty. It doesn't have strength of satire to it. Mm. It's just like, it's just hapless. It just doesn't know how to stick any of its landings. And so instead, it's just this kind of like wallowing exercise in liberal smugness without a point to make hmm. that thinks very poorly of its audience. And then even gives Cheney this sort of big rebuttal at the very end hmm. um, as if to like throw doubt on you as the audience to be like, oh, but do you really know what you think about him? Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a little insulting. Uh, yeah, I think the whole thing is insulting. Like it's just it's just misbegotten. And, um, you know, and I, I, like anyone else, was just like, oh, this movie's going to be amazing. And it, and I watched it when Screener came through. I, like, told Scott to, like, clear his schedule so we could sit down and watch <laughs> it. And then we sat there and watched it and we're like, woof. I was actually not looking forward to this movie because I thought it was going to be, like, uh, uh, yes, yeah, Smug Bro Fest. Um, and then I forgot I'm a Smug Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And then you forgot that you love that. <laughs> You're like what I hate is this like this respectful story about a woman. What I love is a smug bro fest. Uh, you know what? It's time to really reflect and learn about ourselves. That's why I gotta get to know myself, Jason. You're like, listen, I'm doing the work. Listen, bruh. Doing the work. Um so, oh, quick plug for the good place. I caught up on it over break and it is fucking amazing. Yes. Or are you thinking of Jason? Yes. <laughs> I mean he he is darling. He really is. Um Okay. So are you giving this to send it back? Yeah, this is a full-on send it back for me. This is a consume plus. A no, it's a consume. <laughs> just kidding. It's a consume in moderation for me. Oh, my God. Uh, Vice is – but I'd love to hear what other people think about this because um, I don't read reviews. So if you want to tell me, please, anyone that I know that listens to this. Uh, it's rated R for language and some violent images. Ooh, speaking of violent images and language, movie number three, Bird Box. Oh, you hadn't heard? I was in the impression that everyone had heard about Bird Box. When a mysterious force decimates the population, only one thing is certain. If you see it, you die. The survivors must now avoid coming face to face with an entity that takes the form of their worst fears. Searching for hope and a new beginning, a woman and her children embark on a dangerous journey through the woods and down a river to find the one place that may offer sanctuary. To make it, they'll have to cover their eyes from the evil that chases them, and complete the trip blindfolded. Um, I was so delighted when you were like, let's make Bird Box the third movie this week because I had started watching it on my own. Oh. And then I stopped. And then I finished it just before we, we started recording. Uh, so you had already started watching it before I suggested that we mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. And why'd you turn it off? Uh, I fell asleep doing it. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this old stuff? All right, you're looking around. You're like, any animals in danger? No? No. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm on the fence about birds as no. it is. Right, sure. Maybe um, they're just little dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, now I like them. Oh. Uh, see what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, oh, these graphic images, old hat. Um, mm. Go with my eyes, same images. Um, <laughs> Nothing unusual. I recently watched Two Weeks Notice for the first time. Um, and so when I saw a new Sandy B movie... I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. um, I am, I'm into her. I could watch her do anything. Um, and this movie you do. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I just uh, just finished this movie about uh, an hour ago. It's fresh. Jason, what, what, uh, what prompted you to suggest? Uh, well. Sandy, Sandy Bullock's Bird Box. Sandy B's BB. 
Um, well, because as we all know by now, um, this was Netflix's way of taking over everyone's Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the maybe the third year running um, that they have put something out there that just took over everyone's Christmas. Um, last year was that whatever the fuck that Christmas movie was. The year before that, it was Making Murderer season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's this. So they're you know they're gradually achieving their goal of just replacing everyone's other cable or whatever with just like their own programming that we all watch and talk about um usually mediocre especially for the films um and you know and this one became a giant meme uh mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know the bird box challenge yeah well there was there there was well i didn't know about that until you mentioned it to me and then of course right away i'm just like oh okay i know what that means <laughs> <laughs> people aren't dumb um, I meant more all of the memes of people using the image of her with a blindfold on. Mm. Um, oh, I haven't seen them yet because I was waiting to finish the movie. I haven't seen any of the Bird Box memes yet. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> There's so many of them. Yeah, I haven't. There's so very many. I'm sure if you just Google Bird Box meme, you'll get a huge roundup of okay, them. Okay, you do your review and I'm going to do that. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, things like, you know, the caption would be like, friend, hey, did you see my text? Me. And then the picture of her with a blindfold on sitting <laughs> in the boat. Uh, withholding her jaw in this kind of quizzical open way so uh yeah so it was it was a movie that i was hearing about at the end of last year and i was like oh wow netflix got sandra bullock to make a movie for them that's pretty big um and uh i was like okay i'm intrigued sure i'll watch it and uh and then you know i think when i watched it after they'd already posted their like huge record numbers or whatever like 45 million people watched it the first week which they say is a new record um and uh so and i watched it i watched it uh my last day off before going back to work and i watched that <laughs> are you looking at me you, you listen to me <laughs> i'm listening <laughs> i'm listening so basically i watched <laughs> <laughs> this one about the quiet place yeah. <laughs> you gotta go, wait hold on monkey's dressed as a sheriff monkey's dressed as a sheriff <laughs> Um, so I watched this Dumplin' and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs mm. all in a row. Um, and at the end of watching all three of those Netflix original movies, I was not certain I actually even like movies anymore. And you didn't like uh, Roma either, right? No, 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 no. I mean, I was a fan of Roma, mm-hmm. uh, but Roma is once is, you figured out. Oh yeah, exactly. Once, once as we've discussed, once I figured out who the director was and was not. Um, but yeah, Roma is like one in a million in terms of Netflix's original movies. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, so I was like, okay, sure. Let's watch bird box. Let's see what's going on here. Um, and I watched it and that's all I have to say about that. Mm. Rebecca, what did you think when you watched it? Um, it, it, I liked it. I liked it. I, I feel like it was exactly the kind of movie. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a new two weeks notice. It's a Sandra Bullock movie that is, like, just good enough. It's just, you know, this one you know, wasn't a sweet rom-com, right? It was a, a, a end of days, super, super violent, uh, nihilistic nightmare. But it, it was, like, enough. It was the perfect kind of movie that I watched and didn't look at my phone. Uh, sure, I fell asleep, but I was very tired. Um, and this last, you know, today I kind of stretched it out. I tried to watch the last kind of hour between these three periods of time where I had, I had time. And I was like, oh, man, I got to get back and finish it. I was I was hooked. I was hooked on the, the, the thrill of it and the suspense. And what was going to happen to those damn kids? 
Wow. We are not eye to eye on anything this week. Uh, so although I, you know, I do enjoy Sandy B and I will say when we first started, I was just looking at her face. Yeah. I've heard that from a couple people. And just being like, your face has not changed. Mm. Like she has such a strong face and she literally does not look like she's aged a day, nor does she look like she is plastic. Like she is, Mm -hmm. she's a great She's a, you know, that's one of her movie stars. You need to have a great face. Sandy B is a great face. I mean, you, it, it holds up. It's her. It's Sarah Paulson. I and know. I'm like, what's going on but here? This then, is amazing. But then and right then, away, they really they're sisters and not lesbian lovers. And, and then, then you're like, and fuck then I'm this like, movie. I'm done. I'm done. Why are we? Why? What are we doing here? The Machine Gun Kelly walks in and you're like, shut this <laughs> down. <laughs> no, he walks in. I'm just like, I'm listening. Oh, I forgot. That's your type. That is my type. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, his best performance since when he was in Before the Lights or Beyond the Lights. Was it Beyond? Yeah, Beyond. The Goo Goo movie. Beyond. Yeah, where he was her, like, shitty boyfriend in that movie before she realizes she should be with her security guard. Um, How about that girl from Patty Cakes? Yeah, Danielle McDonald, the new face of Netflix, because she's right. also the star of Dumplin'. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, so, okay. So, so the beginning of this movie, I think, is, is the best part, when, you know, the sort of, like, the first 15 minutes or so where we have, like, where we go from just an, an average normal day uh, in Sandy B's life uh, to then, you know, a car ride, a very eventful car mm-hmm. ride, mm-hmm. in which suddenly, you know, by the end of it, it's like, oh, actually, the world's over forever. Um, that all that was done great. For me, it fell apart the second she goes into the house, um, where we but have Trevante Rhodes is there of Moonlight fame. Yes, lots of great distracting character <laughs> actors are in the house. <laughs> we have B D Wong for some reason. Right? <laughs> it's like it's like one of those we... like uh, I recently showed my my girlfriend. She's never seen the Chloe videos. <laughs> it's like I know it was like Chloe meets Stefan. It's like everyone was there. Everyone was there. This house was BD Wong. Right, exactly. John Malkovich. Yeah, it's like, and I went out to lunch with yeah. Ruth Prabhu Javola. <laughs> <laughs> with Shoray Agdashlu. <laughs> Trevante Rhodes. Right. Jackie Weaver. <laughs> and John Malkovich. And Three Birds. Right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I in, keep in, distracting In you. a box. <laughs> I'm wearing a two-headed hat for bird box by Mark <laughs> Jacobs. Uh, so, yeah. So she gets into the house, and then it all just falls apart for me because, like, none of these characters are believable in any way. Um, it is just a series of, like, to call them one note would be to, like, give them one note too many for some of them. <laughs> um, they're just, it's just like this, it's just a bunch of actors and also Machine Gun Kelly uh, in a house. <laughs> John Malkovich is laying it on so thick. Yeah, that part was a... a uh, just being so aggressive, just being, taking just the most unpleasant, aggressive Malkovich undertone you mm-hmm. can give. He is just layering it over and over and over, like he's like buttering bread with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and we have, yeah, we just people just playing just kind of types, but not even really. They're mm-hmm. just all, there. yeah, it's like this suddenly they're like doing the real world all of a sudden and they're just all in this house. <laughs> I mean, what happens when people stop being polite and have to keep birds alive? <laughs> Can't, can't go outside. Can't go outside. Can't look. Uh, and well, which it never even says what happened. Like it literally never even says what the things what, like what has happened. Oh, we That's know. Okay. Oh, it's not okay. Uh, you know, movies about Dick Cheney Wong. have to give insight into Dick Cheney. Movies about like world by the apocalypse just need to tell us what fucking happened. Jason, uh, sometimes you gotta just let go and let Netflix. <laughs> Even M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, the other movie where mass suicides mm. break out for unclear reasons, even that eventually gave us a reason. It's because the trees turned against us. Mm. And if I don't, I don't blame the trees. 
you know, the reason that movie had to deal with a Mark Wahlberg Zoe Deschanel romance. So I, <laughs> for one, support uh, our new tree overlords. Uh, so in this, it's just everyone starts killing themselves. And, um, you know, and then I think this is one that's based on the book. And I think this is one of those things where, like, when you're reading in the book, it probably seems very, like, poetic and very powerful and is very Is that what impactful. it's like to read a, read a book, Jason? <laughs> Listen, this is why I'm like, saying. I imagine. <laughs> this is why I'm speaking hypothetically. I'm like, I bet reading is good. I don't, Go on. I, I don't know about reading. I know about watching. So I feel like if you're reading this, it probably seems really good. Um, but then when you're watching it, watching Sandra Bullock bumble around in a blindfold for two hours, it just it just looks foolish. Uh, it just looks foolish. It looks very silly. I felt embarrassed for her watching her no. just like bumble around with that blindfold on the entire time. A little time. bit towards the end. I'm like, you look ridiculous. Watching people fall is hard. Yeah. Watching people... Watching people that feel so scared that they have to run blindfolded in a forest. Woof. Walking in a forest with my eyes open is terrifying. There's always like like dips that are covered by leaves and mm-hmm. you know, rocks and things. But then when they, oh, and then they just tumble and they tumble again. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to watch. But to me, I, I don't know. I didn't feel when embarrassed. When they go through the raging rapids. Uh, also terrifying. Um, How do they do that? That's I what I want to know. I don't think they did. Uh, they've been dead the whole time. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately the whole thing is about the virtue of the blind? I don't fucking know. Uh, it's a bizarre story. The one part, the one part that is always like those things stand out when, when they have to explain something. Oh, they get this uh, interloper in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then he's like, oh, I was here. And then somebody came from this place. And he names the place. And, and Sandy B is like, what's that? And John Malkovich's character is like, that's the something something home for the criminally in, criminally insane and it's like oh why do we still call no one calls things that anymore <laughs> and also oh it's another one of those things where people with mental illness are like the nightmare horror uh mm-hmm. real life nightmare in your life which yeah. is uh, super regressive and, and insulting yeah i guess another thing uh in the book from what i heard because one of my coworkers read the book because uh, he reads and uh apparently in the book it's more like so in this movie you know the people if you if they open their eyes you know their eyes change color and then they just start trying to kill themselves like immediately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i guess in the book it's not as like instantaneous it's more of like a gradual thing it's more like terrifying mm-hmm. um like i guess like the bd wong character has a much more like protracted long demise and the movie it is a little like the timing's a little different for each character like uh, like i don't know if it's like when you see them or not like you could open your eyes and not see them, I guess. Right. But it's like convenient to the plot that like um, Trante Rhodes' character gets to keep his eyes open for a little bit longer than, say, yeah, um, yeah B.D. Wong. This is also one of those movies where I suddenly become aware that the actors I'm watching are acting during a pivotal scene. There's a scene where Sandra Bullock and Daniel McDonald's character is going to labor at the same time. Mm. And um, and watching them just like kneeling side by side on a bed going, oh, <laughs> oh, I was just like... Those ladies are just asking. But back to RBG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, this kind of reminded me of Roma at a couple of times. So there was like, there was like all the water. And this movie also, I, I watched it on my phone. Uh, and I was wearing, you know, headphones. And like, they're, it's very uh, immersive sound wise uh, with all the birds and all. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then there's that, there's that scene after. Um, when they're in the forest where they're kind of like all holding each other and like and it's like is this the same they just like copy the same poster as roma oh yeah um netflix from that water scene netflix loves the huddle you know um but yeah this is a this is a great movie to turn on make some popcorn (laughs) sit around watch some people aggressively kill themselves (laughs) 
and see what happens to those birds. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> some weeks we're in sync, some weeks weeks we're not. This movie's just so stupid. <laughs> It was like just right. after it was over. I just Scott watched it on a flight back, and I like just walked to the back of the apartment where he was playing video games, of course. And I was just like, "What a stupid fucking movie that was!" I just don't. It just what? I never see what happens, and then a bunch of stuff just happens. Of no, like, and then suddenly it's over, and then it's just like, "What? What did I even just watch?" It's just stupid. <laughs> it's a stupid wow. movie. It's pointless. It's just like, why did we? What are we? Why did we just go through all of that? This means nothing. Sometimes, sometimes the the meaning is that there is no meaning, Jason. Oh my god! And deconstructionists all of a sudden. I'm over just there. saying. If you you know been watching a lot of The Good Place, been thinking a lot about Mulholland Drive. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> just like let things be their things. Oh my god. Anyway, well, but movies are on purpose, though. <laughs> <laughs> movies are on purpose. People don't make them by accident. I've potted him down, so it's only my microphone now. <laughs> Three years later, I figured out that trick. Um, you can talk again, but only if you agree with me. Oh, my God. Um, I'm giving it a consume in moderation. This is a send it back for me. Wow. Yeah, well, just full on send it back. Let's see what happens next week. <laughs> oh, my God. Oof. Uh, Bird Box is on Netflix, as we mentioned a hundred times, and it's rated R for violence and language. I was actually surprised at like, how much violence they let that get away with. Um, well, it's Netflix. They make their own rules. That's true. Uh, that's what we, that's it, Jason. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, which uh, whatever device uh, system you use. Um, Jason, you are uh, taking book recommendations on Twitter at Excess Baggage. <laughs> I am at White Balance. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There goes the binge.